Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The score! Matt Bowen. Two throws. This one aired out for Galloway. And with contact, it's picked off. Intercepted by Matt Bowen. NFL writer and analyst for ESPN. The ball came out. Right now they're calling fumble. Matt Bowen knocked it out. Seven-year NFL veteran. We talked about it last week a little bit more. You know, Dan was on vacation and all that. But uh, when you were there last week working, we talked about how. (laughs) (laughs) had to throw that in there. Bite me, Bowen. (laughs) Defensive back coach for IC Catholic football. One of the greatest things and most rewarding things about being a high school coach is to see the impact it can have on your student-athletes. Matt Bowen with Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Let Matt Bowen talk. Shut up. I was wrong. He's not at the Senior Bowl, but he is covering the happenings at the Senior Bowl as he is also looking at the free agent market in the NFL. Matt Bowen is all football things to football people, and he is with us on the score hotline that is presented by Circus Sports Illinois at Matt Bowen 41 on Twitter, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670. The score is always something you should be checking out as well. Matt, what's top of mind for you? I know that that's a, a big undertaking every year to put that top 50 list together. What did you learn in doing it? Um, it is hard. It is challenging. You have talked to a lot of people, watch a lot of tape. And at the end of the day, Dan, the number one thing is you have to trust your own eyes, right? You have to believe what you see when you're an evaluator and you're looking at tapes. So that's the number one thing I take away from it. And also, it's hard at times. Look at a player like Chase Young. I didn't really know where to rank him. You know, he has the physical tools. He has the traits, but he's had injuries. On the flip side, he's only 25 years old. Yeah, he's a, he's a very interesting he, case. He also doesn't defend the run. He doesn't want to. Well, that can happen at times. You see some certain things on this film. Um, I think at times this year he's played too upright in terms of his pad level as a pass rusher. We've seen situations where he's not disciplined as a pass rusher or as a run defender. But again, I go back to, what do NFL evaluators look at? He's a former top five pick, and he has the traits. So can you get him in your system? Can you coach him? Because he was drafted there for a reason, guys, right? And again, it might not be a three- to four-year deal. With Chase Young, it could be a one-year deal, and that's what he might be looking at. And I expected much more when he left Washington via trade and went to the, the Niners with all that talent around him. You expected to see so much more production, and it didn't happen. Matt, are there any centers out there that the Bears could go get? Connor Williams from Miami. Now, look, I dropped him down. He's only 27 years old. I dropped him down to number 43, and the reason is he had an ACL injury in December. Okay, so anytime we're looking at a player, you know, one thing you have to look at is age and injuries, obviously, but when did the injury occur, right? So someone like Connor Williams, you have to account for he's not going to be ready for minicamp, not going to be ready for OTAs. When is he probably going to be ready for training camp? But as we've discussed before with a knee injury, look, it's much different 
uh, Lawrence, if we're talking about a wide receiver, defensive back, right? We're talking about an interior offensive lineman. But again, wh- what are his traits? He's someone that is excellent in, his, in space. He's more of a positional blocker. But especially when he climbs to the second level, he's very good. So how does a knee impact him? But again, if you're the Bears, you might get a discount on him because of that injury. Is there anyone in the draft that you think that they could get who could be better than him? Uh, that's a great question. I haven't studied all the centers yet, but I, I'll tell you what. When this guy is healthy, he's a pretty good football player. And, and that's, you know, there's a reason free agency is before the draft, right? Because you're going to find guys who are pro-ready, who have pro-tape, have a ton of reps and a ton of experience that so you can put into your system right away and you know they can play at a high level with where a young player, we see it all the time. It takes time to develop. Look at Tyreek Stevenson this year. Look at the first half of the season, the game tape versus the second half of the season. Much different player in the second half. What you expect, that gradual, that gradual development. But you need that development, especially at center on day one. Well, what kind of challenge would it be to have a rookie quarterback and a rookie center? That doesn't sound, yeah. it doesn't sound appetizing to me. Because you've you got to compete. You're going to be a top five defense next year. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're competing. I think it's asking an awful lot to pair a rookie quarterback with someone other than a very experienced veteran center. I agree hundred percent. Someone that can help you up front that can make the protection calls for you. Right. That can set the protection that can talk to you in the huddle that can talk to you on the sidelines. Someone is, who has seen everything and a player like Connor Williams has seen everything. I think it's very important, Dan, to pair a young quarterback, uh, who's going to need a lot of time in terms of development and understanding the pro game, especially that first month of the season, to have a veteran in front of them makes a ton of difference. The championship games seem like they're far away, but they're not. Mm -hmm. They're only four days away. Where did the Ravens go wrong in that game? I think a couple things. Let's start on defense. I think the first half, what, what Mike McDonald is, look, he's a heck of a football coach, just got hired by the Seattle Seahawks to be their new head coach. They're very zone heavy, okay? But when you play against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey against zone coverage, look at simple routes, like a sail route. So a sail route is a three-level flood, right? You got an outside vertical, you have Kelsey running the out route, and they have an underneath flat route. Well, Kelsey won't run the out route. Why? Because he's so experienced. He'll see where the strong safety sits down in his zone, and then he'll just tighten the route and adjust the route. And they are so good at exposing zone coverage you know, Kelsey was so productive in that first half. Plus, they can run the football. They're a different team. But then the second half, you saw what Baltimore did, right? More man heavy. Okay, because they had to. They had to match up. But something about that game that stands out to me. I know I'm getting a little off topic, but Patrick Mahomes was so good in the first half from a numbers perspective and a tape perspective. But look at him in the second half. He didn't have highlight plays right until the end of the game when he threw the deep over out to MVS. But he didn't, he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't put his offense in a negative situation. He really managed that game, the flow of that game in the second half based on what his defense was doing. And that brings me to, you know, Baltimore. There's going to be questions with Todd Monk and what they did offensively. There has to be, right? There has to be questions because they are the, one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. Early, early in the game, they run power up, you know, they kick out, they pull the backside guard, downhill with Gus Edwards, positive game. That's a productive run. That's Baltimore Ravens football. But they turned that game into a situation where Lamar Jackson became a drop-back thrower, consistently drop-back thrower. You didn't see a lot of quarterback design runs. You didn't see a lot of play action and movement. And I think that really played into the hands of Kansas City, especially with Spags, like we talked about. What is his identity? 
it's pressure and it's man pressure, and they got after him. I, I'm still trying to figure out, like, what do you think Munkin saw that that made him say, you know what, like maybe we're better off suited than because because I mean, they they played the run well, but it, it felt like they just kind of gave up on it. Yeah, I, I agree. And look. I don't know the right answer there, Lawrence, but I do think this is a difference when you play against a, a coach like Andy Reid and Spags who have been there before, right? And that sounds generic, but you saw in both games, the teams with championship experience, okay, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. They managed the game the right way. Where the team like Baltimore, I know Coach Harbaugh has been there, but Todd Munkin hasn't been on that stage, right? So now you have a coach who's trying to adjust his game plan but not sticking with what got them there. I guess that's the way to answer it is – they went away from their identity. Why Kansas City stuck to their own identity? In the NFC title game, it looked like Detroit was was clear sailing. Like, everything yeah. looked great. Then the second half happens. I thought Brock Purdy played great in the second mm-hmm. half. What did you see? I did with Brock Purdy. Uh, I agree 100%. He hit the defined throws, you know, attacking tight windows versus zone coverage, making the throws versus man, but also made the plays outside of structure. Right, showed his athletic ability to get outside and move as a runner, um, made some off-schedule throws as well, uh, and protected the football, put the ball where it was supposed to be. And then, you know, the flip side with Detroit, again, team that hasn't been there before, going against a Niners team. A lot of those guys have already played in a Super Bowl, turning the football over, dropping passes, not converting on opportunities. And look, I know there's a a big discussion on Dan Campbell and the decisions he made on fourth down, but I'll say this. You know, those are the decisions that kind of propelled that team to get to that point. That was their identity, was they are going to take risks. They're going to try to cash in on those risks. If you want to question anything, it's the decision to run the football in the low red zone at the end of the game where they had to burn a timeout. That completely changed the course of the end of that football game. Now you're playing completely different situational football where you have to do an onside kick. And look, you can't get onside kicks anymore in the NFL. I looked at the numbers. I was doing something for ESPN a couple weeks ago. When I was a rookie in 2000, there were 17 onside kicks recovered. Okay, I think this year was one. Okay, the rules have changed so much. You can't overload one side. You can't get a running start. That used to be the Wild West out there, and the ball would go everywhere. So if you have to put yourself in position in today's NFL to get an onside kick, you're really, really reaching. And so that's why I go back to that decision to run the football at the end of the game. The Senior Bowl is ongoing. I don't know what the consensus is for this year's overall crop. I know sometimes mm-hmm. there's they will look over the talent and say, well, it, it's some, some years of the Senior Bowl is a better measuring stick than others simply because of who happens to be going up against whom. What are mm-hmm. we hearing about early returns? Early returns um... – you know, a player like Roman Wilson from University of Michigan is having a really good week at the wide receiver position, up and down play at the quarterback position. Look, this is going to happen when you go to an all-star game. I hope everyone understands that these quarterbacks are throwing to new players. They have a new coach talking to them. They're being taught new techniques, and you expect them to go out after, you know, a couple of meetings to start lighting it up. It's not going to happen. So what you're really looking at there, Dan, and this is how I always have done it when I was down in Mobile, is I watch certain things, you know, the ability to, to be coached. If you get beaten one-on-ones, because you're going to, you're going against really high-level football players, can you adjust in the next rep? Do you, do you take that next rep and demand to play that same wide receiver again? Say, so I, I want him again. Look at uh, the one-on-ones, offense and defensive pass rush. You know, there's a technique involved there. I want to see people compete. 
That's the number one thing I look for. Who wants to compete down there? Who really wants to compete? And you see that during one-on-ones. You know, seven-on-seven in team, it's not live. You know, it's it's thud. So you're not going to have a high-speed evaluation, in my opinion, in seven-on-seven in team. What you're really looking for, meet, you know, a broad view of this is how they're coaching individual periods. Do they carry it over to one-on-ones? Do they carry it over to team? Do they make their own self-corrections throughout the course of the practice? And there's a lot you can see there because really that's just a small piece of it. That's part of the job interview, no question. But are you seeing the same things you saw on tape? Because the tape is the reason they got there, right? And it happens too often. You see it on Twitter the last couple of days. Well, this player can't play anymore. What do you mean he can't play? Because he had two bad reps and one-on-ones? No, no, no. That means he has to make an adjustment off the new personnel he's going against and the new coach he's working with. So never forget about what got them there. And that's the tape they had at the college level. It, it, what's a, what's another thing about being at the senior bowl that maybe those of us who are not in it don't know, like you've been down there a ton. Well, what are the things that players need to understand if they're going to spend the week there? Well, one, it's, it's talking with coaches and scouts, you know, when you're done with practice at any, whether it's the East West or, I went to the Hula Bowl, you know, back in 2000 in Maui. Now, that, that, that's a good trip back then. But um, you, you're meeting with coaches. Once you're done with practice, they're watching everything. You're going to have interviews at night. You're going to meet with head coaches. You're going to meet with assistant coaches, general managers, uh, college scouts. You're going to meet with all of them. And you're going to go through a series of interviews. It's going to be late at night. It's not just the football aspect of it. That's part of it. But the interviews are a very big part of it down there because they want to – get more for their evaluation. And then they're going to follow up on it again at the combine uh, at the end of this month. So that's, to me, Lawrence, the interview process is a critical piece of it in addition to what you do on the field. What do you make of of Bobby Slowick and Ben Johnson staying mm-hmm. put in their jobs as offensive coordinators? Well, one, I think they're in great spots. There's no question about it. They, they lead two of the really the best offenses we've seen this past year in the NFL. Um, it's interesting to me. I don't, you know, you have to ask this question when they go into an interview. It doesn't mean they had a poor interview at all. It's just, what do they want? Is it a number of years? Is it a certain coaching staff they want to bring with? Do they mess with the general manager? Do they mess with the owner? There's a lot of things that play there. Um, now they're both younger coaches. Okay. I understand that, but Mike McDonald just got hired. He's a very young coach out in Seattle. Um, Jared Mayo with the New England Patriots, very young coach. So it doesn't mean they did poorly in interviews at all. It could just be Lawrence that they think they got a good thing going and they might have an opportunity next year or the year after where the opportunity is actually better for them in terms of having a, a, a better general manager, being able to, to pick a better staff they can work with. So there's a lot of things that go into it. And I understand there's only 32 jo- of these jobs in the world, but sometimes and we've seen it before. We've seen it here in Chicago, and we've seen it a lot in Washington, where you pick the wrong coach, or the wrong coach goes into a unique situation, doesn't work for him, and then everything starts, to, the wheels start to come off pretty quickly. I'm really impressed, honestly, by those guys making that choices mm-hmm. because there's a scarcity of the job, as you pointed out, but that doesn't mean that you have to take a bad job, especially no. if your position that you're in right now is really good and serves you. Right, and, and Slowick is a great example. He's going to have C.J. Stroud going into his second year, and that's where you really make your most development. That, that's the biggest jump right there, year one or year two. Now, look what he did in year one, right? Okay, so if he can add even more development to his game, 
and you go into next season with the with the skilled players they have, with the additions they can make on the offensive line next year, what they can do with their defense next year, that could be a playoff team again. And now you're you're leading another top offense in the NFL. So, like you said, Lawrence, maybe that opens up even more doors for Bobby Sloak next offseason. Question I have from a larger perspective, zooming out a little bit, and it's how, as a scout, are you observing that the transfer portal is mm-hmm. affecting professional development? I know we've looked at it about quarterbacks who've played in multiple systems, have had different terminology, etc. I'm curious how for across the board, where as much as coaches want to sell you on continuity and being in the same place and the same teammates, mm. there's something to be said for the mercenary idea of, look, I'm, I'm going to get a great football education in more than one place with different coaching staffs, and I'm going to absorb all of it and take it upon myself to do what's best for me professionally. How many years of, of this transfer portal is it going to take for us to understand what it means for development? Well, I think it means a lot. Um, you know, there's, there's, obviously positives and negatives about it. We all understand that. But in terms of the positives, you could take a receiver who is in an offense that is very run heavy but has the traits to be very productive. Well, if he goes and gets another opportunity at a different school and he catches 75 passes, well, one, that's going to improve his draft grade right there. Evaluators are going to be able to see more on the tape, okay, because he's getting more volume in terms of target volume in the pass game. Same thing for a running back that's in a pass-heavy offense that plays out of the gun. If he goes to an offense that is more pro-style system through the transfer portal and gets more downhill carries and is more advanced now in pass protection, that's going to impact his overall draft grade as well. The one, you know, the one thing I don't like about the transfer portal, and this is me being a high school head coach, is it has really impacted high school recruiting. There's not enough scholarships anymore because I understand it. Like we were just talking about before, are you going to take a, a rookie center and pair him with a rookie quarterback? No, you're going to go free agency, right? Well, it's the same thing with the portal. You're going to take a high school defensive back. You're going, to, you're going to take the guys played two years already in college. It's more mature, both in his physical profile in terms of his mental ability to understand football. Well, you're going to take the, the veteran player from another school. But what's that, what that is doing, guys, is let's, take, let's say you have 25 scholarships, right? And 10 of them go to, go to portal kids. Well, now you only got 15 for high school kids. So what's happening is there's not as many Division I spots anymore for high school players. So it's all being pushed down, right? You're having more players go to the FCS level and even the D2 and D3 level now than before because the portal has changed recruiting. Matt, we appreciate the the, the well-thought-out stuff, and that we appreciate you, man. Thanks for being on the show. All right, guys, we'll talk Super Bowl next week. You better believe it. We sure will. That is Matt Bowen. And speaking of that game, you can join 670 The Score and Circa Sports Illinois for the big game party on Sunday, February 11th at Benchmark in Old Town. The Molly and Haw Show, the Bernstein and Holmes Show with Layla Rahimi and Parkins and Spiegel. All of us broadcasting live from noon to 3 p.m. Getting you ready for that big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. You must have at least $100 in your Circa Sports Illinois app to attend. Doors open at noon. There will be live entertainment and complimentary game day bites. Go to CircaSports.com to sign up for the invite and more info. Dan, I want to lean on your experience as a Heisman voter. Okay. To talk about the NBA. I know that seems weird. Yeah. But... It'll make sense when I bring it to you. There's also some other stuff. You were gone, and and I was watching the the Luca game Friday night, 
and I wanted to talk to you about. We haven't had a chance because obviously, like Championship Sunday and some other stuff takes precedent. But it, we keep seeing these crazy point totals in the NBA. I want to talk about why that's happening. So, since you are the host of the Organizations Win Championships podcast, we're going to lean on your experience there too. We talk buckets next here on the score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out of market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi view mode and catch up with in game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre and post game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Don't stop now. Lucas splits a double. Keeps the dribble alive. All the way to the hoop. Scoop to the hoop with a foul. Point yeah. 71 and 72. Believe 73 was the magic number total. Add him to the list. We just did the list last week. I know. Talking about the guys who scored 70, and there's Luka Doncic doing it again. That was courtesy Bally Sports. Luka was amazing in that game, and he could have had a 70-point triple-double. If his teammates didn't suck. Yeah. Like, at the end of the game, they missed three bunnies. Yeah, help a brother out. Like, he, and he, you could just see him just being like, so I, I do have to do everything myself. Got it. Okay, fine. I'll go and finish this game out since you guys don't want to make layups. You know, they were all kind of joking about it the same way that, like, you know, Bill talks about him and Jordan combined for 57, whatever. It, it was great. I'm curious what you think it means that we're seeing an explosion of these high point totals by individuals. Is is there something wrong with it? Is the defense bad? Or is this just a product of pace and, and space? I, I don't see bad defense. I would tell you if I did. I, I see the number of possessions per game going up Overall, the scoring environment is up. It's much like where baseball will give you plus stats, where fan graphs will give you stats based like WRC plus, which gives you run environment. We're in a different points environment right now because of what's happened to creatively designed offenses. The fact that everybody can shoot. It's positionless ball where anybody can be seven feet tall, and play any position and do anything on the floor. It's it's I've never seen anything like this in my life, where even if you're in front of a guy, you know, the number of logo distance threes because the shooting ranges have changed the geometry and changed all the vectors. You can't pack in a defense anymore. You can't. Even bad teams have shooters all over the place. Where you are the ground you have to cover now to get back to help because you can't leave that guy 26 feet away. It's it's a different sport. And you see Luca do it. You you Cat had a great night a couple nights ago. DeMar DeRozan was talking about this earlier in the week. He says he thinks this season someone will score 100 before it's all said and done. I think that's an exaggeration. 
but if you just look at the number of possessions per game. And that's that's yeah. what he cited. He, he was talking about how the, the, the pace of games and the offensive environment that you brought up. It's funny. You know what's really funny? How aligned you and DeMar are when talking will we, about will we basketball. talk about the game? But then they're like, hey, DeMar, remember that thing that you said about, you know. He knows. Yeah, it's and, just not his game. And, and he's doing a better. He had Did a you really see last a great step in three last it night. It was a two. <laughs> no, I thought that thought the, the, one early? Was a, the early one was a two. And he laughed and then, about it. He's like, man, I did it again. But then but then later he had a three and they were joking about it. Stacy and Mark were joking about it, like, ah, that one is actually a three. Well, and he, when he does step in, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Rather than be sort of this catch and shoot thing, he's got to be in the right rhythm because his best shots come off his own dribble and not off catch and shoot. He's not a catch and shoot player, but he's he's had more toe on the line shots than I think I've ever seen in my life. Just because his, when his body does carry him forward, he will skid over toward the line. By the way, Demar's shooting thirty four percent from three, ten percent better than Vooch. Vooch bad. Uh, and and this is something I thought I would never say. I like that floor. That Charlotte had last night. I don't ordinarily like all all of that. Like I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to basketball floors. I don't like all this stuff that they got going on. Also, can we have a conversation? No, well, maybe this isn't the best environment for it. What? Look, I'm not calling you Leaky Black. (laughs) I'm not. The man's name is is Rayshon. Malik Black. His nickname's Leaky. Yeah. It's only the second most racist name in sports right now. It was the first one. Well, that one you we can't even we can't say. say it. But that's we just, oh, can't that's right. even say now the I name. Know. That's right. But that's his actual name. That's someone, not a nickname. How does someone not change that, by the way? You got to change that. Yeah, you change that to like. Something else. Knight. Knight would be fine. Knight. Our last name is now Knight. Because <laughs> the other one, it's a Chappelle skit. Chappelle literally did a skit about this. Of someone whose last name is that? Yes. You never see. Oh, my. I don't know. Dan, it is, it is brilliant. The, and the, the guy is kind of, it was like an old timey, like 50s. God. And they spell it out with the hard R. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm here to see the little. And, oh, and it's no. it's a good it's such a funny bit, but with these guys, I'm like, come on! And last you know night, what that is that's a variation of the Michael O'Donohue bit with that he wrote with Buck Henry. Yes, that's a variation of the D bag bit. Yes, Lord and Lady. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I kept thinking is I'm hearing Mark on the call, like Mark also like having to. Well, there's Black. Like, you have to actually say his whole name because if you just say Black, it also sounds super racist. Lord, look, you know. You, you you know my cousin Adam, right? Yes. The doctor. Yes. His last name is Black. Black. So we refer to, when we talk about the families, and, I, and he's got a brother whose last name is Black. So we have to realize when Beth, when Beth and I are out, we're talking, it's like, oh, are the Blacks coming? Like, <laughs> Another Chappelle skit, but but it's there. It's there. This has been my, a different word. My entire life, my entire life. Like, well, who's going to be there? Well, I think it's going to be the Bernstein's and and well, what about the blacks? Are the blacks coming? Are we get the blacks at the party. 
well, which 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 blacks? Well, I think those blacks are going to be there, but I don't think these blacks are going to be there. It's, like, it's their name. <laughs> it's been our entire life. Oh, what are you doing? And I, I I swear to God, I, was, I would call. We're my, hanging with the blacks. I would call my parents. What are you doing there? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna be with the blacks tonight. <laughs> I think we're just gonna be over hanging out with the blacks playing bridge. Okay, head down to the south side and see the blacks. Yeah, we're gonna see but the is blacks. it bridge? Is it gonna be bridge or spades? <laughs> which is also you know. But that, I never, I never thought twice about it until realized it got in public. But like, well, are, are the are the blacks going to be there? Yeah, of course they're going to be there. We wouldn't have a party without the blacks. You got to have a, the blacks at your party. It's not a party. It's not a barbecue. The blacks show up. Well, if the blacks aren't going to be here, then why are we even? Why are we right. here? Why right. are we here? <laughs> right. Exactly. Want to hang out with those blacks? They're yeah. good blacks. We heard that Charlotte. Uh, a, you know, stadium announcers say leaky black a lot. Leaky black. Well, th- that's the, but but Ray, that's the thing. Worst he porn name of all time. He, he can't be like three point field goal black. <laughs> black. So apparently, okay. Rayshon Malik Leaky Black. Leaky comes from apparently his Malik, middle name yeah, Malik. I I I totally. I, I don't. And guess what? That's a stretch. It feels like a guess, stretch. Guess what? Your name is Rayshon. Like I'm. I am not going to be out here calling you Leaky Black. Like I'm just not. His, just his sound, grandmother. There's gave, something wrong with it. Something wrong with it. Get Eric Collins on the phone and ask him. Don't you feel weird saying Leaky Black? I, I don't know. His his threshold for feeling weird saying no, stuff is probably no. higher than most. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's a wild man. He's he's fine. Yeah. He's a little different. No, there was another NBA topic we wanted to get to oh. that was well, it was mostly Leaky Black. <laughs> that was that was covered in a, a piece that Vincent Goodwill did for Yahoo today. Yeah, about this sixty-five game threshold. So there's a sixty-five game threshold if you want to be considered for postseason awards, like MVP, for example. And I'm wondering, do you, it's obviously like a much smaller sample size for the Heisman. That factors into your Heisman vote. Like if a, if a kid plays eight games and has crazy stats versus playing 13 games. Absolutely has, it does. So even before this, even though there wasn't a mandate, there were probably people that were like, the guy only played 60 games. How can I vote him MVP? I imagine. I don't know. Sure. I mean, that's the your amount of great play is a factor. It's I do think that availability is an ability. And the NBA was trying to force stars to play for other reasons. And Joe Dumars asked about it, said that you're always going to have unintended consequences. That's the first thing. The second thing is you kind of knew the first couple of guys that were going to get close to that mark, it'll become an issue. It was going to become a talking point at some point. It could have been a month from now. The number is what the number is. I'm not surprised. So they thought it through. You know, They knew that there would probably be some controversy. Now you're talking about Tyrese Halliburton, and you're talking about Joel Embiid. And, and, and Embiid is... Studs, was he five games? And meanwhile, I don't know if you saw the story. If he misses five more games, he can't be considered for MVP. You saw that uh, the Sixers have been fined $75,000 by the NBA for violation of injury reporting regarding Embiid's absence Saturday. See, mess with people's money. 
but maybe he's even more hurt than you would think. And that means that like there might be other people that could end up finding themselves in an MVP race that maybe wouldn't have been there. It isn't just that. The, the other problem that you have is the fact that they've tied in super max bonus eligibility into making those awards. all NBA teams. And you're talking about huge, huge, excuse me, huge amounts of wealth now that are tied in to the, ju- just reaching that number. And you're going to, yeah. now you're incentivizing playing through injury, which makes the product bad and endangers players because uh, look, I, I, I may miss the rest of the season or be in danger of that, but it's worth it to just keep my eligibility for third team all NBA. I feel like this text is making it up, but it's still funny. Same story as Dan, but my neighbors are the Blacks, and another neighbor is a Korean family named Jew. Okay, that's hilarious. J-O-O? Yes. That is hilarious. I can't believe that you've never seen that skit. Are I'll- we going to invite the Blacks and the Jews over for dinner? <laughs> there it <laughs> exactly. is. There it is. Well, if you're going to invite the Blacks, we got to invite the Jews. It would, it would be rude. The Jews said no? What about the Blacks? They also said no. I hope that's actually what if true, you were what if you hilarious. were mad at them? And what if, I'm not I'm never inviting the blacks over ever again. I've had it with these blacks. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you. It's like you you laugh, but this is this has been my whole life. Yeah, that's funny to me. That's really funny to me. Yeah, because then we were we were like because that's it's 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 my mom's identical twin that married a black a married a black from the south side it was, it was, and from the south he's side, a south side black. He, uh, yes he went to south shore high school good for her yep i'm glad she married a south side black what happened? You know, honey we send you away to to to, to cornell and you come home and you you bring a south side black home <laughs> the white Sox trying to run away from those south side blacks <laughs> real fast <laughs> The 708 says, my wife and I are best friends with a family with a last name Gay. Same issue. Yep. Can't invite the gays over. (laughs) Well, why not? They seem like good people. I'm tired of him. He's a jerk. So no more gays. (laughs) We had a nice stroll through Boys Town with the gays the other day. (laughs) Right. But yeah, Leaky Black. I'm not calling you that. Now, this is a reference for the hip-hop heads because not everyone will get it. But I cannot watch a game involving Leaky Black without thinking about the 3-6 Mafia and Crunchy Black. R.I.P. Yes. R.I.P. Also also a problem. But at least he knew it. (laughs) This is true. Somebody just turned on the show and is really confused. (laughs) This is a very different station. The 708 says, I've got a contractor here. I'm turning your show off until this bit is over. So he doesn't think I'm listening to right wing radio. All right. We're sorry. <laughs> we'll do We're some, so- we can do some right wing radio. This Taylor Swift is ruining football. How yeah. dare she? She's destroying everything, ruining our lives and eating all our steak and taking away our precious manly fluids through her presence at football games. Damn it. Thank God we finished that segment before. <laughs> we should Oh, I had more, but never mind. No, I, mean, we got I know, I know. Touring and stuff. I can see. You can't. 
I was going to continue the bit, but never mind. We have visitors. When we return, some data that is going to make people really, really, really mad. About what? About Taylor Swift. You're going to get so mad, and you're going to your manhood is going to be threatened, and your football is going to stick to sports. You're scaring me. That's next. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. There's a lot of really weird, lonely, insecure men out there. Um, The fact that a pop star, the world's biggest pop star, is dating a star tight end who had one of his greatest games ever, and a network puts them on the air briefly, that it bothers you, what does that say about your life? Judge people sometimes on the silly stuff that bothers them. It'll tell you a lot about them. When I hear this whole thing about Taylor Swift, I just want to watch football. Liar. And now the Swifties have discovered Colin Coward. They are he is the darling of the Swifties now. They're out to call him a zaddy and all sorts of other stuff. Saying he could get it. May I ask what a zaddy is? I assume it's a sexy older man of some yeah. kind. Okay. You, you nailed it. Okay. Because you know sometimes people be calling folks daddy. Right. Yeah, he he'd be a zaddy. Okay. Yeah. So the Swifties have found Colin Coward. Because in Yiddish, Zadie is grandfather. Oh. Maybe that was maybe that's the origin the the origin origin of it that we've gotten that far no away way. from it. No. You sure? I, it, I'm, I'm sure it's not. It, I'm sure it's parallel evolution of some kind with some other meaning. So you want some numbers behind this phenomenon? Sure. Well, I very much would like some numbers because I'm I look how many times how how often are we going to hear about the the economic engine that's going to propel Chicago forward? When they build a new baseball stadium. And bring jobs. And, and all sorts of stuff. And prosperity. And all will be fairies and elves. And no more and crime! Get rid of the crime! Too much crime. It's a city. Everybody's criming. Spending on football has been swift since a certain pop star started rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is from CBS News Money Watch. Ever since Taylor Swift began dating Travis Kelsey and regularly appearing at his games, her legion of fans have also quite suddenly become NFL viewers. Many are invested enough in the sport and the Chiefs that they have snapped up game tickets, jerseys, memorabilia, and streaming subscriptions, as well as hosting watch parties. 16% of U.S. consumers, think about that number, 16% said Taylor Swift had influenced them to spend money on football. Holy crap. This is according to a survey from LendingTree, the online lending marketplace. They surveyed 2,000 U.S. consumers. So this isn't a tiny sample. Three-quarters of Americans say they plan to watch the Super Bowl this year. More specifically, 24% of Gen Z and 20% of millennials I figured the number would be higher for the Say they are more interested in football this year because of Swift's relationship with Kelsey. Wow. This is helping to counter what market research suggests has been declining interest in the NFL and other professional sports among younger viewers in recent years. 
But notice not of, of the people in the age range of the folks that are saying that they aren't watching. Correct. This is one of their analysts said there's an awful lot of people out there who are more likely to watch the Super Bowl because the Chiefs are in it and Taylor Swift may be there. Nearly 40% of Gen Zers say they've spent money on football thanks to her, while six-figure earners were the most likely to say that Swift had piqued their interest in football. So not only is she driving interest, she's driving interest of among people, people with disposable, I wouldn't say rich, I mean, but I would say people with money that can be spent here instead of somewhere else. That now qualifies as rich, Dan. That is that is amazing. Which is, which is terrifying. Yes, that is, well, six figures now is rich. But this is, those numbers are staggering. It is. It's, maybe I just see the world in a different way. I never thought that it was a bad thing. I understand people being upset by it being so ubiquitous. I get that. But, oh, I'm just tired of it already. Yeah, yeah, but but I figured as big of a run, someone did a really good reel because Taylor's favorite number is 13. Mm-hmm. So they kept like adding stuff up. Like, oh, don't even start with the Taylor Swift numerology stuff. Well, I mean, you'll go down a rabbit hole there. It's Super Bowl 58, right? Five plus eight equals 13. Like there was a there was a whole uh-huh. thing that was going on, and people were kind of fun having a little bit of fun with it. But I. If you look at the the money generated by her and Beyonce in Chicago alone from their concert tour stops here and 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 what type of money they brought with them and then of course you had both of them going out of their way to give extra money to their crews the, the people who the long haul truckers who are who were taking care of them from stop to stop I'm not surprised and we know that the NFL is all about trying to find another place where they can get money. I'm actually surprised that how few Taylor Swift shots during the game we saw on Sunday. It, it, it seemed like they picked it up pretty quickly. That, that oh, well, if we show her that there's going to be more juice and considering that football is the only thing now that rates on television, to add this to it, of course there was going to be growth. It, as long as she's cool with it, as long as, I guess the, the cynical way to say it is as long as she's in on the exploitation, and she seems to be, like she seems to be having a good time, she seems to... That relationship seems to be working out really well for the both of them. What? I think, no, but the fact that there would be anything other than the presumption that she's in complete charge of what she is doing would be a mistake. Yeah, but her being in charge of like her, there's a difference between her being in charge of her relationship with Travis and her being seen. Like she, she shouldn't have to mute herself. Like she shouldn't have to say, I'll sit in the back of of the well, street. She's not. She's up there dropping that, F-bombs. That's what I'm saying. Like, I love that, that she's doing that. And the NFL is like, well, we have someone who's on our property that's super famous, and we get the opportunity. And it's relevant because of who's playing, too. She's not just hanging out. Like she's part of the Chiefs family. So I'm, I'm here for it. I, I think it's good. 
I think it's it's a lot of fun. It hasn't, like for all those people that were wondering, well, well is this going to be the, the thing that collapses the Chiefs? That has not been the case. Didn't we go through this with Paris Hilton and Brian Urlacher? Well, that was very different. Very different, Dan. Because at the time, I don't think Brian was divorced. No, yeah, that it was. That was the version of this minus ninety percent of the brain cells. Well, I would say uh, minus the purity. Well, and and it just that was just dumb. That just kind of whole felt, thing was just dumb. That that felt like you know you're hot and famous, and I'm hot and famous. This that this may have started that way, but they seem to really like each other. So great. I'm happy for him. I'm 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 happy for him. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for the NFL. And we'll see what happens as the announcers, oh, oh, we've got to figure out a way to This is another thing that made me mad about Tony Romo this year. Real talk. Cuz that dude was living a similar life with Carrie Underwood, right? With, what? with Carrie Underwood and with uh Jessica, Jessica Simpson. Simpson. And he was being real flippant about... He kept saying them. they were married or yeah. engaged and yeah. all that. Yeah, and he got very upset when both of those things happened to him. Get your mouth shut, Tony Romo. How about that? See me, Catch me outside. How about that? Another bad baby reference. It's too many. It is just too I, many. I think this is the appropriate amount. Jason Leisure is going... Now, he is at the Senior Bowl, correct? Maybe if his, correct. if his rental car thing came through. Oh. Yeah, we'll have to. He also was called a zaddy on the Sports Adjacent podcast this week. So we'll have more stuff with you about that next on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.